Yes, indeed, there are more questions than answers. Like, why has it been minus 45 degrees since November? And why am I still living here? Hi, America. Hello, world. My name is Adrian Lee, and I am your host. Welcome to the show More Questions and Answers, the only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites, and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio, entertainment, and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests, somewhere in the snowy, barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains, with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your light and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting and for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and reprobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... The panel have no idea what's coming, I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show, and we are completely live and unedited. What could possibly go wrong? So without any further ado, let us embrace the darkness. Let me start by introducing tonight's guest panel. Firstly, the mysterious and effervescent Heather Morris. She has been a paranormal investigator for many years with her own team called Hellhound Paranormal and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now the audio and EVP expert with the International Paranormal Society and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Her fascinating fact is that she once mistook the low hurdles for the high hurdles and she shattered her personal best. And she also has a crippling inability to say the word hello. So welcome to tonight's show, Heather. Onion. <laughs> onion. <laughs> now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe onion is actually hello in Korean, I believe. Is that correct? Something to that effect. So you managed yeah. to get around my joke with your intensive knowledge of Korean. That's right. How fabulous are my guests? <laughs> we also have the analytical and skeptical mind of Kim Gore laughing in the background. Kim is also a talented and valued member of the International Paranormal Society. She was the 1988 Winter Olympic speed skating champion and has found over $100 (laughs) in loose coins on the sidewalk ever since due to her posture. So thank you for coming in tonight. (laughs) Hello. And finally on tonight's show, I wish to introduce the calm and unflappable Greg Gore. He is married to Kim and we shall see if this is still the case after tonight's show. Greg is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras and leads than the BBC outside broadcast department. He is also ambidextrous because he can do nothing with both hands. He also thought that Little Red Riding Hood was a Russian contraceptive. So that is tonight's (laughs) panel. By the way, I looked up the word panel in the English Oxford Dictionary and it said a thick wooden board between two posts. Wow, it's great to be back tonight. We haven't had a show in a very long time and it's good to be here. Did you know we now have over 3,000 followers on our Facebook site? More questions and answers with Adrian Lee. I would love for you to join us on there if you've not already done so, actually. All of tonight's stories, plus much, much more, are currently on there for your perusal. So please share the word and let your friends and family know about the indecent fun we're having on a weekly basis. (laughs) And uh, I'd be very grateful, actually, if you could post the links on your facebook pages for the world to see now if you recall our last show i reluctantly gave up control of the scoring to heather (laughs) on a trial basis i might add 
And I managed to accumulate on that night a grand total of minus 29 points. And so she we, was being nice. Well, yeah, it could have been far worse, obviously. <laughs> so now we know power corrupts. And uh, I'm resuming responsibility of the points once again. And to show that there are no hard feelings, Heather will start on minus five tonight. <laughs> oh, the joys of being in charge. I'm used to that. We shall sprint randomly into our first category of the night, which is always ghosts and hauntings. So I shall start with a very interesting story here with the headline, Couple Advertises Home as Slightly Haunted. Slightly haunted is an oxymoron in many respects, isn't it? It's like saying slightly pregnant, I guess. <laughs> or, or military intelligence, either works. It says, between the mysteriously banging doors, the odd noises coming from the basement and the persistent feeling that someone is standing behind them, homeowners Gregory and Sandy Leeson are thoroughly creeped out by their 113-year-old Victorian ghost. So when they put the house in the northeastern Pennsylvania area up for sale last month, they advertised it as slightly haunted. Then things got really weird. There were calls from ghost hunters. An open house attracted lots of curiosity seekers, but no legitimate buyers. And a former resident came out of the woodwork to tell the couple that when he was a kid, he found a human skull in the basement. I find that remarkable. If you found a human skull in the basement, that's then a crime scene, isn't it? By default. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I find it bizarre that, you know, after many years... Oh, I didn't think anything of the skull I found in the basement. I just thought I'd keep quiet. In fact, I've been using it as an ashtray. You know, and then you come <laughs> forward um, to say that you found a skull in the basement to the couple that's living there. Why aren't the police involved? Why hasn't this been cordoned off? Why aren't they raking through the dirt in the basement looking for bone fragments is what I'm asking here. He says the same basement whose door Sandy Leeson once barricaded because she swore she could hear the clicking of a cigarette lighter emanating from the subterranean Depths. Um, do locked doors actually stop ghosts? I suspect not, boys and girls. <laughs> it's enough to make her husband wonder whether he did the right thing when he playfully wrote about the home's spooky charms. Slightly haunted, nothing serious though, says the listing on Zillow's real estate site. It goes on to describe screams and the occasional ghastly image in the bathroom mirror. It's just like Miley Cyrus's dressing room. The listing attracted local and national media attention. Now the Leesons just need an actual buyer for the four-bedroom home on the market for $144,000. I tried to work it with a little bit of a sense of humour, said Greg Leeson, a 35-year-old who works in information technology. That's not something you find in the same sentence very often, is it, the word information technology and humour? But I don't think it has helped with the marketing. We're really not getting very many interested buyers. We're getting a lot of nonsense people, he said. I guess that makes all of us sat around this table at the moment nonsense buyers. Spring should bring more traffic. But if it does sell, Leeson said, he might consider renting it out by the night to folks looking for a spooky thrill. While Leeson concedes the home has a creepy vibe, he doesn't believe in ghosts. And his wife? I definitely think there's a spirit or a ghost in the house just from my own personal experiences, she said. Now, I actually thought it was illegal in America to not disclose that a house is haunted during a property sale. I remember reading a story about five or six years ago where a couple bought a house that then was discovered to be haunted and they were suing the people they bought it off of because it wasn't disclosed in the information they were given as part of the deeds of the house. So I actually think in some states... There's actually a policy in place that actually means you have to declare if a house is haunted or not. Yeah, that's just in some states. It's not in all. Yep. It's it's very bizarre, isn't it, that people think, as paranormal investigators all gathered around this table in a cold, chilly Minnesota evening, it's very bizarre to me that science dictates that ghosts and hauntings don't exist, yet legally you have to put it in a document, which would then suggest that if it's on statute, it does exist. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So again, I find it very bizarre that legally it would suggest it exists if you have to declare it as part of your house sale. Yet people, I guess scientists and uh, those that don't believe, you know, would, would would have trouble with that. It's a very odd story and very interesting. So I shall give myself <laughs> four, po- four <laughs> points. Well, you know, I'm no, I have the pen in my hand. I have the piece of paper. I'm writing a nice How much big, ink do you have? A nice, enough to give me a lot of points yeah, is what I'm I've sure. got. And I've got a backup pen. So <laughs> if, that, if that was your worry, if that would, I'd be writing it in blood by the end of the show if it means I win. 
So I'm off to a hefty four points to start the show with. Kim, I'm looking for you. We're looking to cheer us up now. Ghosts, hauntings, (laughs) possessions. What have you got for us? I have satanic group believed to have stolen blood of Pope John Paul II. The news just broke that this past weekend, a relic containing blood belonging to the late Pope John Paul II went missing from a mountain church in Italy. The relic in question ended up at the Church of St. Peter in the Abruzzo Mountains back in 2011 when Polish Cardinal Zuvitz donated it to this place of worship. It did not contain blood per se, but a fragment of material believed to have been part and parcel of the clothing that Pope John Paul II wore when he was shot at in 1981 in St. Peter's Square. Thus, some of the late Pope's blood is said to have been impregnated in this piece of cloth. The people who took the relic appear to have also stolen a cross. Police officers are doing their best to identify them and track them down, but have made no major progress until now. According to an anti-occult group called Antiplagio, it is possible that the bloodstained material and the cross were stolen by a satanic group. It's possible that there could be satanic sects behind the theft of the relic. This period of the year is important in the satanic calendar and culminates in the satanic new year on February 1st. This sort of sacrilege, uh, sacrilege often takes place at this time of the year, he further explained. Hopefully it will not be long until the blood and the cross are recovered. Did you say satanic sex? I think, I think sects. With, oh, with sex. on the end is probably the, I want to know where you're going. Where's your mind going where the first thing you think of is satanic sex? I, it, what does that involve? A pig's head on a stick and running around? Wait and tell my last story. Oh, wow. I don't think I can. Quite remarkable. <laughs> I was wondering, I mean, that's not good karma, is it? If you're stealing crosses out of churches and you're stealing uh, religious relics. That's, that's, it was only until you mentioned that they thought it might be to do with the occult. Because anyone else, you know, you would think that's not a good thing to be doing in terms of, of your karma and what's going to happen to you in your life. I mean, would that be considered lucky that it was a piece of cloth taken from John Paul II where he'd been shot? That's, that's almost bordering on unlucky in many respects. The interesting thing is that there are a lot of these relics in Italy. Um, I was in Siena, which is in Tuscany, and Siena's a fabulous, fabulous city. If you recall, it's where the Palio is held once a year, where they race all the horses around the town square, and it's very dangerous, and each little group of the city has their own horse and their own rider and their own colours, and, and people go there from all over the world to see this happen. In fact, I think it was actually in a James Bond film at one point, um, one of the more recent ones where, where he comes out of the sewer system and he finds himself in the middle of the Palio in Siena. But um, I've actually been to the cathedral in Siena and they've got a great big um, fresco which is uh, on the wall by Duccio. It's called the Maestar. And in that particular building, they have a room just purely for relics. So I've actually seen relics of saints and they would carry them into battle because they would be seen to be lucky. So if you decided to go into battle and you've got St. Mark's finger in a, in a masonry jar on the end of a stick, that was considered to be lucky because I've actually seen St. Mark's finger and they've got a room that's very creepy. There's full of jars and perspex boxes and so forth that have relics in them. And I've actually seen St. Catherine's head in a glass bucket. So if you want to see St. Catherine's head in a glass bucket and St. Mark's finger, then you need to go to the cathedral in Siena. So very interesting. I just wonder what would happen if one side had St. Mark's finger and the other side had St. Luke's toe. Who would who would come out on top in that <laughs> battle? You know, it's a battle of relics, I guess. Probably the guy from Canada that drank, took the drink. Ah, the guy from Quebec who swallowed a mummified toe. They'd probably tie him to a tree and charge into battle with him because they couldn't get it out of his stomach in time. If anyone does have a mummified toe, by the way, I'm led to believe the bar in Quebec where the guy drank the shot with the mummified toe is still looking for body parts. So if you have any spare body parts that are mummified, then you're more, anyone over 85, I would suggest, then you're more than welcome to go to Quebec and uh, flop that into a... Uh, bottle of whiskey i guess is the way to go there there's points all around i'll give you points heather just made me depressed so she's staying on minus five um kim gave me the opportunity to talk about sienna which is a fabulous place to be sienna brown the color comes from sienna and i will give her three points for that does anyone have any more stories for me on ghosts and hauntings no i have a fabulous one here it's very similar in many respects to the last story that i read out it says haunted house attraction may actually be haunted who knew 
A home has been part of the family since 1944, but it wasn't until recently that something strange started happening at the Benton Family Farmhouse in Walton, England. Now paranormal investigators are flocking to the home, trying to explain the unexplained. The family that owns the home has been using the house as a haunted house attraction every October. Dad really thought that we should tear it down, or indeed make money somehow. And that's what we thought of. We thought of a haunted house, Mary Markham said. But this house could really be haunted, and not by spookily dressed characters. The family believes gutting the walls may have sparked these unexplained happenings. That's true in many respects, isn't it? That renovations, building work tend to uh, bring forward, in my experience, more paranormal activity. Uh, I'm thinking of the St. James Hotel in Red Wing, where they did a series of renovations there, and the whole place just went mad. They were seeing little ghostly girls running around, and there was noises and furniture everywhere. I also did an investigation once at the Calhoun... Um, Lake Beach Club where they were renovating that particular building and they said they just had the maddest maddest paranormal activity in fact if you want to read about the paranormal activity we we came across in the St James Hotel um, my book Mysterious Minnesota digging up the ghostly past in 13 haunted sites actually has a chapter on that particular incident and that particular hotel if people are interested in following that up but I guess that if you've had a picture hanging on a wall of a, of a deceased relative or if you've had an office space where you've had chairs and old desks in a certain place for a very long time the moment you start messing around with those the moment you start taking them off the walls I guess you're stirring up a lot of energy at that point but my experience has been that you know when when things get renovated paranormal activity tends to follow until the walls came out i would have told you i would have slept there since i was a baby markham said and nothing ever happened but after that things started to take place they brought in a psychic into the vacant home and that's when markham said they began learning more about the spirits inside the psychic said he was right behind me and then all of a sudden this gray bag moved from one side of the couch to the other markham said they're looking for a for a woman, I'm guessing, if she's got a shopping bag with her. Others on the farm said they have had some sort of experience too. I was in this room using a hammer and nailing boards over the windows to box them off and didn't think anything of it at the time, Charles Gillam said. But I came back twice to get my hammer and it would be gone. The third time I went in there and the hammer was hanging on a nail, hanging like someone had just put it there. I didn't know ghosts could move things around, but now I believe it. I wonder if this is the ghost of MC Hammer's singing career. <laughs> Greg, do you wish that you had a ghost that would tidy up your workshop? Wouldn't that be the ultimate? That, that would be pretty good. We'll see if we can go, go out there and see if we can find one for ourselves. It says, the doors have recently been open to the general public for paranormal investigations all year round. I want people to come in just because. Why not? Markham said. Why not see what's going on? Am I the only cynical one sat around the table? that when they read a report on ghostly goings-on that hadn't gone on before, and then in the very next paragraph, they're selling tickets to a haunted attraction. Does that not strike you as being slightly cynical? Oh, oh, Heather's pressed the magic button and we now have the ghost of Justin Bieber's career. (laughs) (laughs) With his pet cat as well, by all accounts. I was, um, one one of the things that this story brings up for me is that, if this house wasn't perceived as being haunted before and the woman said she slept in there ever since she was a child and never had any experiences and then they open it up as a haunted attraction and suddenly they're hearing and seeing things isn't the suggestion and I've experienced this in other places and I'll talk about those in a second isn't the the concept here that if people go there to be scared and they go there to have experiences of a ghostly nature and a paranormal nature aren't they then by collective thought actually creating something to be there I believe it's called a thought form and in Nepalese culture it's called a tulpa where if enough people think that something's there it will then appear and there's a couple of examples of that I I did an investigation at the London Dungeons which is uh, under some arches and underground used to be a wine cellar in the middle of London and it's a museum of torture they have a rack in there that, that came from the Tower of London that people were stretched on they have chopping blocks and axes and all kinds of disgusting torture equipment that building is so haunted. I did an investigation there 
and it was so haunted. I was actually there with a French film crew and they were filming a, a tourist type program to show French people what there is to do in London <laughs> and uh, go to a torture museum, I guess, is what the French wanted. Um, but a, a boy came through to us on all of our equipment and actually started speaking in French, which, which pleased the film crew no end. But the point was, it was a wine cellar. No torture has ever taken place there. And a lot of the artefacts in there are just copies. Um, and it's more of a theatrical experience rather than a, a historical one, I guess. And so the concept that people go there and they're scared then generates something to appear. It's like the haunted house experience at the soap factory on the banks there of the Mississippi in uh, the middle of town in Minneapolis. You know, there's nothing actually took place there other than the production of soap. But it's such a haunted building and they have a haunted house experience there that I've spoken about before, um, which is pretty much made up of walking around the basement in the dark whilst unemployed drama students run at you with a broken chainsaw. And uh, I've actually seen young ladies come out of there having urinated themselves. And uh, it's such a scary experience that I wonder if you generate something just by putting that out there and having those experience. If anything dark is around and it feeds on fear, isn't something like that experience going to be like a finger buffet for them? And they occupy that place to feed on the fear when in actual fact there was nothing there to start with, but it's been generated by the public and generated by the fear. You're all looking at me as if I'm mad. Do feel free to chip in at any point. (laughs) (laughs) I would have to agree with you completely. So again, you know, I find it odd that she says there's never been anything happened in this house. And then after they started doing the ghostly experiences, everything suddenly happened. That leads us quite nicely to our next round. We are now looking at green men and hairy beasties. Who would like to kick off the cryptozoology and all things UFO round? Heather, I'm looking at you. Oh, fantastic. North Korea landed man on the sun, North Korea allegedly claimed. That's got to be hot, isn't it? They must you have, think? Was he wearing sandals and a pair of khaki shorts? Yes, the sun's not solid. Sorry, I will let you continue your story. I, 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 didn't Just think, let me know. I didn't think the sun was solid. It's made up of gases, isn't it? And a nuclear reaction. Are you not interested well, in that story? Well, they can claim that they sent someone there, but that doesn't necessarily mean they came back. I can claim yeah. my uncle's a woman and it's me auntie, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's true. Let's, let's see. What, what have you got there for us? You need the points. You're on minus five. Me so horny. Me love you long time. That's like a Stephen Hawking sex line. What's wrong with you people? Ringing up Stephen Hawking's will talk sexy to you for just a dollar a minute. That's right. There is a piece of news that is now spreading like wildfire, wildfire on the internet. The news in question concerns North Korea's allegedly claiming that it had successfully landed a man on the sun and then got him back home just in time for dinner. The frenzy was started by Waterford Whispers News, whose staff published an article apparently detailing North Korea's space adventure this past January 21st. In its article, the publication wrote that the news concerning North Korea's success in landing a man on the sun was shared with the public by the country's central news agency. It went on to say that the lucky individual was Hung Il Gong. I'm sorry to hear that. I'm sure there must be ointment. <laughs> and hung well, what? And that his uncle was none other than Kim Jong Un. Waterford Whisper News added that it only took Hung Il Gong four hours to reach the sun, and the mission lasted for about 18 hours in total. That's very bizarre when it takes eight days to get to the moon. <laughs> The astronaut is said to have traveled on a specific, or specially designed rocket and to have used the cover of darkness for those the of you... Cover of darkness. <laughs> He's landing on the sun! <laughs> for those of you unaware, the sun turns off during the yeah. night time. <laughs> I wonder where it went. <laughs> well, if it, no, it all makes sense because if he visits at night, it's not going to be hot, is it? <laughs> <laughs> he, he went in the cover of darkness because he was trying to avoid getting an unwanted tan. Well, that would be the case. (laughs) While exploring the star, he collected sunspot samples that were meant as presents for Kim Jong-un. North Korea is known to be a fan of propaganda, so quite a lot of people assume that the country had, in fact, told the rest of the world that it had successfully completed this space odyssey. It turns out that these people could not have been more wrong, and that, as surprising as it may sound, North Korea does have its limits when it comes to making outrageous statements. Just to clear things out, the problem 
with this story is that Waterford Whispers News, whose staff, as already mentioned, first broke the news that North Korea had claimed sending a man to the sun, is actually an Irish satire publication. Otherwise put, neither has North Korean landed on the moon, or man, on the star, nor has a country said that it did. On the contrary, the news was a hoax. And quite a good one. You've just wasted two minutes of my time by reading me a story. And you can't that was get that wrong. time back. No, I can't. But I can give you minus five points <laughs> to make you on minus ten. H. G. Wells. Did he write a story about landing on the sun? No. War of the Worlds. War of Man. the Worlds. Everybody thought it was true. Yeah. Oh, yes. You're talking about the Orson Welles. Oh, Orson Welles radio yeah. show. Okay. Yeah. H. G. Wells was the time machine, wasn't he? I'm led to believe. I, yeah. I don't know. But yes. You you fell right into it. You were talking about a big ball of gas. Wow. Well, <laughs> minus 12. I like being in control. <laughs> this big ball of gas is going to give you minus 12 points. I can't believe that. The, 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 I was going to say, um, it's, now, it's now turned out to be a hoax, but I was going to say the people in North Korea can't be stupid. I mean, when they're given this propaganda time and time again, they must sit down and think, unless they're collectively brainwashed, I guess, which reminds you of Nazi Germany during well, the Second World Kim War. Kim Jong-un, yeah. yeah, brainwashed, that's all you have to say. Well, uh, there was another story involving North Korea this week where he had an uncle that apparently um, went up against him in terms of a power struggle and he was executed. Um, the story coming out on the BBC this week is that the whole of that guy's family was executed as well recently. All his aunts, his uncles, his kids, they killed the whole lot just to wipe out the whole, you know, Line. it's that sense of um, guilt by association. So uh, I, I did read a very distressing story this week um, from a reputable news channel like the BBC rather than a, a, an Irish uh, newspaper that doesn't actually exist, um, that they'd actually executed his entire extended family. So uh, not good news for them, I guess. Thank you for hmm. bringing us down. Uh, my pleasure. Kim Kim can take us even <laughs> further into the abyss. <laughs> is this story actually true? Are you going to waste two minutes of my time making shit up? It is true. <laughs> okay. And I'm going to tie in the supernatural with the fact that it's going to be Super Bowl soon. Fantastic. That would be beneficial for a show about the paranormal. <laughs> <laughs> Half of American fans say supernatural forces are in play during sports events. According to the Washington Times, a new poll conducted by the Public Religion Research Institute says that 50% of people believe that some supernatural forces are at play during sports games. 26% of the respondents say they have prayed for God to help their team, while an equal number have said that their team was cursed. Football fans are the most likely to say they have prayed for their team at 33%. Another 25% say that they perform pregame rituals and 31% say they think their team is cursed. It is true that sports stars do tend to be superstitious. When I played some semi-professional soccer back in Britain, I had lucky pants that by the time I finished my soccer career were kind of falling apart and the elastic had withered. And uh, Underwear? They, they were lacking You're talking about underwear, yes, aren't you? Yes, that's right. Yes, knickers. Yes, I had lucky knickers, lucky, knickers, lucky <laughs> briefs that I wore and I scored in regularly. They the could stand field. up on their own, couldn't they? You well, didn't wash them, did you? No, they just used to meet me at the changing rooms before the match. <laughs> and I'd ask them how their week was. It's interesting because if you look at the World Cup in soccer, for example, England is going to be playing in Brazil in the summer. Collectively, the entire nation is rooting for that country. So Britain, with a population of, say, 55 million, is rooting for England to win their match against Italy which has a similar population. So by default, you would suggest that the bigger nations would play better than the smaller nations just because they've got more people putting positive collective thought out there. Yet teams like Holland, which only has a population of about 5 million, do exceptionally well at soccer. So it's just interesting. I wonder if uh, we looked at how many people lived in Seattle and how many people lived in Denver and then... And then made a comparison to see who would win. Greg is looking for technology as we speak. But you're absolutely right. There is a sense of collective thought that goes with all of those things. So when Greg You've also got the population, though, of the AFC versus NFC. Yes. We need to do some research. That's a very interesting idea. And they both legalize pot. Yes, they'll be having a fabulous party regardless of who wins. A Super Bowl. Do you know the... um, Do you know... (laughs) I see where you're going with this. 
Don't you're, give me minus points I'm, either. No, I'm just picking up my pen. <laughs> just solely picking up my pen, not doing I'm anything sorry else. You reach for it. You were in there with your beady eye, wasn't you? Like an eagle. All I did was pick my pen up. One of the points I was going to make have you heard of the spiritualist Yuri Geller? Is that a famous person over here? He's the guy who bends spoons. Oh, he's I think an Israeli so, yes. guy. Mm-hmm. Okay. He lives in Britain. And during the 1996 European Cup, England was playing Scotland in a very important game at Wembley. And Scotland got given a penalty, which would have brought the score level. And a penalty is when you get a chance to have a free kick at Mm -hmm. the goal. Yeah, Right. So the Scottish player put the ball on the penalty spot, which is 12 yards away from the goal. And as he ran up to kick the ball, the ball quivered. It moved from left to right by several inches on its own. So if anyone wants to see this, if they look up 1996 and they type in penalty England v Scotland on YouTube, you will see the ball literally moving just as the guy's about to kick it. And it was a very poor kick and it got saved and England went on to win the game. Yuri Geller was at the match and then proclaimed afterwards that he'd made the ball wobble as the guy was about to run up and kick it. So whether that's true or not remains to be seen, but it's just a very interesting story of someone putting a thought out there. What happens in the Super Bowl final, if it goes down to the last few seconds and there's a field goal to win the game, is it possible that when they snap the ball, see, I'm learning all the words, you see that? And the guy's about to kick it to get a home run. Um, that the ball could be moved. Didn't they make a film with Ace Ventura where the laces were up or the laces were down? Or is yeah, that right? So that was Do feel free to movie. stop me at any I'm time. I'm trying yeah, okay. to stop you. You won't stop. There we go. So, uh, Greg, when you find out the information required, do do let us know. I have got a story here for UFOs um, in Bremen, in Germany. I've actually been to Bremen. I, I went there on the bus and uh, after an hour I went back again. Um, Bremen UFO looked like a plane but was louder. The airport said on Monday night that the UFO showed up on its radar several times over three hours from 6.30pm to 9.30pm. Police said in a statement that they were alerted at 6.30pm about a UFO over Bremen and a patrol car also saw the object. A police helicopter was sent up to try and find the UFO but could not, although the Vesakura newspaper reported it and it could be seen through binoculars apparently at the airport's traffic control tower. Um, They then say that a helicopter search was actually called off after 8.45pm, which uh, was according to a police statement. Officers are now investigating the case on grounds of unauthorised intrusion into controlled airspace. I must tell you a very short story. When I was a teacher, I used to teach art. I I ran an art department um, for 11 to 18-year-old students. And on one afternoon, I decided that the students were going to make kites because we could cut the material out, we could personalise them, we could paint on the kite. And what I decided to do, I actually bought some balloon material from a scrap store, like a charity shop, with the idea that we'd make kites out of this balloon material that was an off-cut. I don't know if anyone's into ballooning, but that stuff's impossible to cut. It's like Kevlar. So I was using scalpels and standing knives and all kinds of things to cut this balloon material to try and make kites for the kids and... uh, I didn't manage it, unfortunately. But we managed to find some material. I had 60 students all afternoon making kites. So what we then decided to do was to go out into the school field and fly the kites and see whose kite was actually going to fly the best. Um, What I failed to realise was that we were only a mile away from Luton Airport, which is Britain's third largest airport. And after about 10 minutes of 60 students flying kites about half a mile up in the air, um, a police car turned up. And it was very funny for the students, of course, because Mr. Lee's going to get arrested. And I didn't realise there was a law in place to say that you're not allowed to fly kites within a five-mile radius of an airport because all of our kites collectively had made a huge mark on their radar system, on their control tower, and every flight for the last hour had been diverted or had been stopped from being landed until the police discovered (laughs) what it was. So the policeman very kindly asked me if we could stop flying kites in the field of the school at the end of the runway at Luton Airport. No fine or anything, huh? Um, no fine, no. I managed to get away with that. Um, and the policeman did find it funny, but uh, probably not for all the holidaymakers that suddenly got rerouted to Amsterdam, for example. It says a spokesman for German Air Traffic Control, DFS, said it had normal lights, red and green, and an approach light on both sides. Eyewitness Dominic Hober told the paper that the object was flying between 100 and 200 metres and passed over his house four times. 
Correct me if I'm wrong here, but it's not normal, is it, for UFOs to have bow and starboard green and red lights plus landing lights on. So I'm guessing at this point it's non-extraterrestrial. Um, although, wouldn't it be a great disguise for a UFO if they could have cloaking devices that actually disguise them as aeroplanes? That would be fabulous. Every aeroplane you look at in the sky, one of them could be a UFO that's actually disguised. I'm thinking that the UFO needs a new muffler. If it's making too loud a noise. Yeah. I, I, I find it disappointing that halfway through the report, which is about a UFO, it then describes it as having landing lights because new UFO <laughs> is going to have landing lights on, is it? It says it looked like a plane. Well, I wonder if it was a plane. It had lights but was a lot louder. A flight from Frankfurt had to be cancelled and a second flight from Munich was diverted to Hanover. Another plane coming from Paris had to stay airborne for a while before it could land. A Bremen police spokesman said we still don't know what it was, but it was there. Possible explanations are that it was a drone or a balloon-like aircraft. On Sunday in the town of Zwickau, Saxony, an initially unidentified aircraft landed on a field behind a house. Hours later, it turned out to be a remote-controlled model airship more proof that the french are full of hot air but it would suggest it would suggest that this was perhaps a model aircraft rather than anything that was extraterrestrial we have finished our round of ufos green beasties more information and more madness after these short messages from our sponsors the lakes area paranormal interest group meets bi-monthly to discuss all things paranormal the group's primary focus is on the topic of ufos but they also delve into alien abductions cryptozoology bigfoot crop circles and ghosts come with an open mind and be prepared to discover the who what when where why and how of these phenomena meetings are from 7 to 9 p.m central time in the banquet room of the american legion club in wake park minnesota for more information you can visit their website at lapig.org visit and find out more information at the lakes area Parent Interest Group at LAPIG.org. You can visit their Facebook site as well of the same name. For people who believe that standing in a cold, dark basement in the middle of the night for hours on end is perfectly normal. The Minnesota chapter of the Mutual UFO Network MUFON meets the second Saturday of every month at the New Brighton Community Centre, New Brighton, Minnesota. Meetings are from 2 to 5 p.m. Central and include investigation reports, open mic, book reviews, videos and guest speakers. Everyone with an interest in UFOs is welcome to attend. For anyone who's experienced a UFO sighting or knows someone who has, this is the place to be. Meetings, agendas, driving directions and tons of UFO information can be found at mnmufon.org. If you believe your business or product would benefit from being mentioned live on air across the nation and the globe to a large target audience of morbidly fascinating and strangely interested listeners, I would love to hear from you. You are listening to the only dedicated paranormal news radio show on the planet that makes you very lucky people indeed. In the lyrics and the words of the reggae legend that is Johnny Nash, there are indeed more questions than answers. And the more I find out, the less I know which means I'm probably less intelligent than when the show started. I am your host, Adrian Lee, famous for being banned in Lithuania for introducing the word to dirty hobo water and sometimes the annoying inability to say abominable snowman live on air. Welcome back for the second part of tonight's show. If you have just joined us, then where have you been? And what could have been more important? If you have stayed with me, then let me raise your spirits further by saying that we still have 50% of the show still left to go. Hurrah and a happy dance all around the bedroom. I've been handed a fresh cup of tea and the promise of cookies. I have fresh flashlight batteries and my mother has now stopped snoring. So onwards, we march. We now get to the round that we call I Am Psychic. But firstly, (laughs) I will read you a very quick story. It says, Psychic Goat picked out the result of the Plymouth Argyles clash with Cheltenham. Predicting the outcome of Plymouth Argyles soccer clash with Cheltenham on Saturday was probably not a difficult task given their recent form. But it seems even a goat was able to spot the result a mile off. At least a goat with some fortune-telling powers and a decent appetite. One-year-old Pip, who lives at Cotswold Farm Park in Cheltenham, picked out the correct result ahead of the game. I will now be predicting how England fare in the Summer's World Cup in Brazil. Well, she got promoted quickly to the big time there, didn't she? To get ready for the summer, the Baggett Goat is predicting Cheltenham Town's scores in League 2 for the rest of the season. 
She got off to a bad start at the weekend before last when she opted for a draw between the Robins and Accrington at the Abbey Business Stadium, but the away team won 2-1. Ahead of Cheltenham's away match at Plymouth Argyle, Pip once again predicted a draw. And this time she was proved right because the two teams played out a one-all draw at Home Park Cheltenham with striker Byron Harrison putting Cheltenham ahead early in the second half before Plymouth's Luke Young equalised just before the final whistle. To help Psychic pick Pip make her predictions, she has three bowls of feed to choose from, her choice indicating the result she thinks will come to pass. Next up for the initiative and the intuitive animal would be to predict Cheltenham's match at home to Northampton Town on Saturday. Greg, if I put three bowls of Cheerios in front of you, do you think you'd be able to pick the Super Bowl winner this weekend? I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) An experiment for later. Wow. I say we let her run the economy, actually, because she seems to be doing pretty good and uh, she couldn't do a worse job in many respects. As a psychic, I can see that if her predictions fall short this summer, she'll be experiencing a stew or some sort of curry in her distant future, I suspect. The reason I rang that story, the reason that story was read out is, of course, this is our I Am Psychic round. And uh, each week we try and predict the result of a sporting encounter or some sort of world event. It would be very amiss of me if we didn't talk about the Super Bowl on Sunday. So I'm going to go around the table. I'm going to write down your predictions. Greg, did you manage to find out how many people live in Denver and how many people live in Seattle? Yeah, and I'm going to base my prediction on that rather than psychic. Uh, Seattle's going to win because they have 634,535 people. Okay, you counted them all. Yep. Denver has 634,265, difference of 270 people. So there's just 270 people separating the population of Seattle from the population of Denver. That's a very small margin, isn't it? So you're going to go for Seattle? I'm going to go with Seattle, yeah. Are we going to have a score predicted here? Are you thinking scores here? What are we going to go for? Total points, or are you going to go... Yeah, I think we're going to go with the score. 28-14. Uh, 28-14. 28, uh, 14. 28, 14. Okay, Heather, what are you going to go for? Seattle or Denver? And I'd like a score, please. Seattle. Yeah? 32-17. 32-17. Kim, I can see you working things out with a pencil and a piece of paper. Uh, would you like a W? And an abacus? I was going to say, would you like a can a of W2? WD? A W2? What's a W2? <laughs> I was going to say a can of WD-40, actually. But uh, what are we going to go for there, Kim? 21-17, Denver. Oh, 21-17, Denver. I know absolutely nothing about American football. Um, so, using pancetta, my psychic pig... <laughs> who's very rarely wrong and doubles up for the sound of my mother snoring. I'm going to go for Denver, and I'm thinking it's going to be quite low scoring. So I'm going to go 17. Is it possible to get 10? Is 10 a score? It is. Okay. Is that a field goal and a touchdown? That's great. See, I'm learning. There we go. I'm going to go 17-10 to Denver. And we shall see. There are points at stake for next week's show. There should be a steak dinner, too. Well, you're going to have to pay for it, of course. <laughs> at any time during tonight, not a goat. You don't fancy some goat, no? <laughs> no. At any time during tonight's show, you can post comments on my Facebook site. Just look under More Questions and Answers with Adrian Lee. And you can chat and post to your heart's content. Or you can send me an email to mqta at rocketmail.com. Don't forget to spread the word and involve your friends and family in all the fun and excitement that is More Questions and Answers. Unless, of course, you're not happy in which case you can write to my mother. We are now going into the dizzying round of the bizarre and strange. So stories from around the world of the bizarre and strange. Heather, what have you got for me there? A Brazil woman is hospitalized after a porcupine lands on her head. Wow. Yeah, I know, right? Happens all the time. (laughs) This is where you, surely some sort of umbrella or headwear is in order. Brazil woman hospitalized after a porcupine lands on her head. A Brazilian woman was hospitalized this week after a spiky porcupine fell from the sky and landed on her head. Housewife Sandra Nabucco was left in agony after the clumsy rodent... Clumsy? Yes. What was it doing? Wiping windows? Climbing ladder? (laughs) Fell out of an aeroplane? Hang gliding? (laughs) No. Parachuting accident? Not getting close. Fired out of a cannon? Nope. Fell from a tree? Nope. Catapulted? Negative Thought it could fly? On LSD? (laughs) Fell out of a window? (laughs) Leant over a balcony? No more Pepsi for you. Okay. 
<laughs> it embedded more than 200 of its sharp quills in her scalp. The porcupine apparently dropped from some telephone wires. While the oh, it was on telephone yes. wires. He didn't I don't know how it got up there, though. And it was I wearing mean, a tutu as it was walking along them. <laughs> yeah. Is that some sort of acupuncture? It, People it pay for be. that. Well, 200 of them. I threw, a, hed- I threw a hedgehog at a dartboard once and scored 3,823. You did not. That's cruelty <laughs> to animals. It had a crash helmet on it. It volunteered. They're cute. It signed an affidavit. They're cuddly. Have you seen baby ones? Adorable. Uh, Yes, you wouldn't want to give birth to a hedgehog, though, would you, to be fair? (laughs) Why are you even thinking about that in that region? Giving, making love as well would be problematic. To a hedgehog? (laughs) How do hedgehogs make love? You're going to make love to a hedgehog? I'm not, no. (laughs) Unless it was giving me the winky eye and I'd had a few drinks. So it fell out of the sky by doing tightrope walking in a tutu. That's right. And the woman was walking her fluffy dog underneath it. It was a huge shock. I felt a thud on my head, and then I felt its spines with my hands. The pain was enormous. And that's all she had to say about that. Did did it survive? What did the porcupine say? Uh, well, it's bald now. That's all it's I can tell bald. you. <laughs> Gypsies, in, back in the day... Were bald. No, well, they may have been. <laughs> that's why they wear headscarves with coins hanging from them. Gypsies used to cook and eat hedgehogs back in the day. They'd forage in amongst the undergrowth because you're living off the land. And what they used to do was they used to bake it in clay. So they'd get lots of clay, wrap it around the hedgehog, throw it in the fire. And then when it was cooked, they'd crack open the clay and all the quills would be stuck to the clay and it would come out and with just the flesh. So uh, it tastes like chicken, apparently. Yeah. I've got a story here about the wedgie from hell. This is called the Atomic Wedgie Murder Case. This was in Oklahoma this week. It says, man accused of suffocating stepfather with his own underwear. A man in the US has been charged with killing his stepfather by giving him what police call an automatic... You mean an automatic wedgie? (laughs) That's one that that just happens to yourself. What happens with a manual one? It it didn't. (laughs) Five speed. That involves a third party. (laughs) <laughs> that's where you just put your underwear on a hook and you actually squat down and wedge yourself <laughs> automatic wedge atomic wedgie sounds like a band i've got all their albums by the way but i thought their earlier work was better atomic wedgie police say former marine bradley davis 33 got into a fight with 58 year old denver Sinclair when he spoke ill of his wife mr davis's mother in the days before christmas Officers from Oklahoma arrested Mr. Davis on Tuesday and a sheriff's office affidavit said he grabbed St. Clair's underwear and gave him an atomic wedgie. A 10-page document describes a fight that broke out on the 21st of December between Mr. Davis and Mr. St. Clair. It says Mr. Davis claims his stepfather threw the first punch and that as this was a domestic dispute intensified. As it intensified, he knocked Mr. St. Clair unconscious and pulled the elastic band of his underwear over his head and around his neck. Oklahoma medical examiner spokeswoman Amy Elliott said the cause of death was asphyxiation and blunt force trauma. Anyone had any blunt force trauma in their knickers recently? <laughs> Just wondering. Good Lord. Sheriff Deputy Travis Palmer said both men had been drinking beer on the night of the incident, while the authorities also claimed Mr. Davis had earlier sent a text to a friend saying he was going to hurt his stepfather because he had nothing to lose. Investigators said Mr. St. Clair's elastic waistband was stretched over his head and it was left with the ligature marks around his neck. Blood splatters were also found in the kitchen, the living room and on the living room ceiling. One can only wonder as to where they emanated from. Mr. Davis is being held in the local county jail without bond. Um, I wonder if anyone's going to get a court subpoena. <laughs> Sorry. Where did and, and that come t- from? I, I just think, well, if you're, Greg's sitting at a very strange angle. If you've got a court subpoena there, no, are you I okay? Know, no. You're comfortable, are you? Um, I will give myself points on the back of that because how many stories do you ever read that involve the words atomic wedgie, which I still think is a great name. What about name. automatic wedgie? Okay, I'll give myself two lots of points. Thank you. For, <laughs> I'm now on a resplendent eight. Good news all round. Kim, you're sat there with bated breath, ready to jump in. What have you got for me tonight? This story is for Greg. It's not an automatic wedging story, is it? I hope not. No. Crest, introducing chocolate-flavored toothpaste. Yummy. 
U.S. oral care company Crest announced its newest line of toothpaste flavors includes mint chocolate trek. Crest, owned by Ohio firm Procter & Gamble, announced its B line of toothpaste will hit U.S. stores in February with flavors mint chocolate trek, vanilla mint spark, and lime spearmint zest. <laughs> it opens with a rich... I didn't hear chocolate. Yes, I didn't first hear one. chocolate. Oh, okay. <laughs> mint chocolate trek. It leaves your teeth brown. Mint chocolate. I was, it's going to look like you have a face full of... Chocolate. Yeah, chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> so the chocolate, it opens with a rich, creamy cocoa flavor that oh. provides an indulgent and decadent experience, a crest-release set of the chocolate toothpaste. If you have an adventurous spirit or a sweet tooth, then this is the toothpaste for you. Now consumers can explore outside their boundaries, arouse their senses, and energize their brushing routine like never before. It's an oxymoron wow. again, isn't it? That word's come up twice tonight. That he says if you have a sweet tooth, you can clean your teeth without toothpaste. Seems to be a bizarre combination, to be perfectly honest. Mm. I know that they have bubblegum-flavoured toothpaste. I don't like the taste of mint. I have a lot of issues. I like mint. I like mint ice cream, for example, um, and fresh mint from the garden. But the, the artificial taste of mint, you know, I found very abhorrent. And it's very difficult to get toothpaste that doesn't taste of mint. So there was a period of my life where I was cleaning my teeth with bubblegum-flavoured toothpaste. Oh, thank God. I thought you said there was going to say there was a period of time you didn't brush your teeth. <laughs> or you were finding other chocolate. No, I, I do clean my teeth on a regular basis. I don't know where the myth comes from that Brits have really bad teeth because I've seen Austin Powers. I, I know what the stereotypes are, but the, the facts are these, that in Britain you do not have to pay for dental treatment. It's part of the National Health Service. We do not have to pay for our health care. It comes out of our, of our taxes at source. Um, so on the back of that, any children that have problems with their teeth, they get fixed straight away. And I couldn't tell you anyone in Britain who has really bad teeth. Their teeth get fixed for free, so you get them fixed. It seems very strange to me. Um, so I don't know where those stereotypes come from, but let me tell all of our American listeners out there that on the whole, um, Brits have very good teeth. And I've seen several people in this country that are chasing an ice cube around their mouth with just the three teeth they have left in their head. That is a fabulous story. I will give you points for that, Kim. I shall give you a resplendent five for chocolate and toothpaste. You are now on eight. What am I on? Um, you're on minus 12 at the moment, but there's all to play for. <laughs> You can snatch <laughs> defeat from the jaws of victory at any moment, of course. I've embraced the digital age fully, and you can write to me on mqta at rocketmail.com at any time during tonight's show, and I will try to read as many of your comments and questions as possible, hopefully disproving the old adage that men cannot multitask. So we finished with the round of the strange and the bizarre for tonight. Um, Yeah. I think so, so would you like to uh, I'll tell you what I'll do I'm going to jump in I've got two stories this is the round that we call not for your mother these uh -huh. are the stories of the week that you may not want small children minors the elderly people that are easily offended to be removed from the room because I'm not quite sure what's coming next and uh, it's normally very controversial so I'm going to start on our first round of not for your mother here this is a very very distressing story in many respects it says an opera singer is out of work after a routine surgery left her unable to sing without farting. I mean, that's... Uh, juice, anyone? <laughs> that, that, that's going to need to be washed. Um, it says you wouldn't want any bum notes, would you, if you're an opera singer and you're having oh, those kind of problems? really? Amy Hurst has been performing at the Nashville Opera Company and she filed a suit against Fort Campbell Blanchfield Army Community Hospital early this month, claiming that the epis... <laughs> Episiotomy. Episiotomy. Great. <sighs> Thank you. You've got to love the Latin. She received during childbirth last February caused her to lose control of her flatulence and on occasion bowel movements. The complete break... <laughs> we call that one the princess. The complete breakdown has obvious ramifications for Hersp's job from her lawsuit. As a result of her incontinence... An excessive flatulence, Hurst has been unable to work as a professional opera singer. You wouldn't want to see her ring cycle by Wagner, would you? She is no. suffering through a very embarrassing and very significant injury, and frankly the prognosis of a fully successful repair is now pretty low. Hurst's attorney, Charles Allen, told the Army Times, Hurst and her husband are seeking £2.5 million 
in damages. Are you there again, Greg? Where, where have you gone with that? Are you trying to force more out? Are you? Uh, where are you? Yep, that sounds like an F sharp to me. So she can still get the high notes. What have you got there, Heather? You're looking to jump in with a story for me. Speaking of gassy cows. We wasn't talking of gassy cows. We're just talk, speaking. I'm sorry, sir. Leave that cow alone. Gassy cows are blamed for a barn explosion. That's a very. That's the worst segue I've ever heard. <laughs> talking of gassy cows. We wasn't talking of gassy cows. There was no mention of gassy cows. It, the merest thought hadn't even began to cross my mind. I thought that was a fantastic you segue. Nearly, you nearly got away with it if I hadn't been on the ball. A herd of dairy cows nearly lifted the roof off their barn in central Germany when methane released by the animals caused an explosion. It didn't cause a UFO, did it? <laughs> uh, the police say that the, in a statement that the static electric charge apparently triggered the detonation and a spurt of flame on Monday at a farm in Rasdorf. The farm was slightly damaged and one cow suffered some light burns, but you'll be happy to know no people were hurt. I'm pleased to hear that. Yeah. And uh, best wishes to all those German cows out there. Kim, <laughs> what have you got there? What have we been speaking of that you'd like to talk about? Well, first I want to ask if everyone here uh, heard the news a couple of days ago that the Queen of England is broke. I did read that. Um, I find that hard to believe on the back of the fact that she owns most of Devon, Cornwall and Wales and has more property in London than anyone else and is probably the richest woman in Britain. So it may be disposable income, I guess, paying mm -hmm. for a bag of chips or a <laughs> oh, or I'm going to tell bar. you where her money went. Oh, okay. Close to $10,000 worth of Her Majesty's Viagra was stolen from the UK Ministry of Defence. Are they looking for an ardent <laughs> criminal by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> Will it stand up in court? <laughs> this is the court subpoena again, isn't it? <laughs> the figures came to light following a written parliamentary question from Tory MP for Enfield North, Nick Dubois. The Times reported that the stolen items included approximately $8,000 worth of anti-impotence Viagra pills, also used for conditions including blood pressure, and equipment from nuclear submarines from RAF Marham in Norfolk. What is she doing in her bedroom that she's got equipment from nuclear submarines and a big bucket full of Viagra? Got me. <laughs> I have no idea. Wow. Up Periscope, I'm guessing. Wow. That's remarkable for bringing the Queen into tonight's conversations. And Viagra, I find that remarkable. For blood I mean, pressure. I was going to say, she's, there old, for blood she's pressure. 85 years old. I, uh, Prince Philip must be early 90s. Well, good luck to Philip the Greek if he's still going. That's, that's highly remarkable in many respects. <laughs> what have you got there? I can see you've got a, a story there. Would you like to leave that last, Heather? What do you I can do it now. That's okay. fine. I don't mind. Judge tells jurors to stop laughing in man's oral sex with sheep and cow case. I, I, are we allowed to carry on? Are we going to be taken off the air? I mean, who came first? Is the sheep unhappy that the cow went first? I mean, Do you want to hear the story? I would love to hear the story. All right. Don't cry, Mary. It's your turn next. If you can get over your laughter, that'd be great, judge tells jurors. Um, Paul Lovell, 61, was in a field next to Tottenham's new training centre in Enfield as he tried to make a cow perform a sex act on him. Tottenham is where Adele comes from, by the way, in North London. If those of you that know the singer Adele, that's her neck of the woods. There you go. Sniggering could be heard from the jury panel while details of Lovell's alleged offences were described at Wood Green Crown Court. I, will, I well understand that there are aspects of this case that are unusual and amusing, the judge said. If you could find it um, particularly funny, please try to get over your laughter over lunch. That would be great. In this case, the defendant tried to perform a sex act with the mouth of a cow, and he repeated this more than once with different cows. Surely the nostrils are the way to go. There's no teeth <laughs> oh! involved. <laughs> You thought uh, about this way too much. God. No, the reason I say that, I, I'm, uh, I'm not. What? Yeah, come on then. No, my train of thought was that there Are was a, smaller cows better. Um, <laughs> I find catching them to be the problem. If you could catch it, that'd be great. The uh, there was a story in Britain very briefly of a cow that got its head stuck in a fence, and a, a gentleman came home. I believe this was in Wales, and a gentleman came home from the pub and was drunk and, and an elderly couple in a car was driving past and wondered what he was doing 
and uh, yeah, a nostril was involved. But again, what, what's the thought process that goes through a drunken man who sees a cow's head stuck in a fence and thinks, I know, you know. Well, <laughs> for that, Greg, you shall receive five points. <laughs> Do continue. There must be more. He was unsuccessful, just to let you know. He then moved to another part of the field and tried his luck with some sheep. The witnesses saw him trying to encourage, using gestures, the sheep towards his groin area. And indeed, he took hold of the sheep in order to do so, so that to both witnesses the sexual intent was very obvious is the sheep on a, like a victim protection program now is a victimist a victim is it the sheep there's a picture of the sheep in the article and it's got a black black rectangle over its eyes the thing i find really bizarre about that story is that north london tottenham stanford hill seven sisters all around that area is incredibly densely populated it's one of the most heavily populated areas in the whole of london so I don't understand how there'd be A, a field, and B, a cow and a sheep. I, I grew up in London. I never saw a horse till I was 14. So I find that quite remarkable. Well, I was reading a little bit of this story, I have to say, and it was actually a couple that was on a picnic last year in September. But it said something to the effect that he was he was actually naked running out in the field where there was a couple of cows and some sheep. And then he was all he was carrying was an orange Sainsbury's Sainsbury's oh Sainsbury's it's plastic um, bag <laughs> whatever was in that Sainsbury's Sainsbury's is one of the biggest uh, grocery store chains in Britain but they're slightly more what's the word classier than Tesco's so if Tesco's is your Walmart what would be a grocery store that's slightly higher than than Walmart in terms of uh, what it sells are we looking at a Cub Foods, yeah, some, Public. Yeah, some of this a like bit that. more kind of classy, I guess. Just posh people shop in Sainsbury's and uh, everyone else shops in Tesco's, was, I guess. He was just carrying a Sainsbury's bag Tes- and his business and that's it. He was, yeah, well, you know, it's uh, a strange world. There are indeed more questions <laughs> than answers. He must be mentally ill of some description. I, I, I just does it say whether the sheep and the uh, the cow were female or is it, it doesn't mention it all. I guess I if it's, it's a cow, it would be female by default because it would be a bull otherwise. Oh, there you go. And if you try milking a bull, you'll get at least a pint. We move <laughs> swiftly on now. Well, the night would not be complete, would it, without somebody having sex with something, someone some kind of strange animal or something inappropriate so i shall finish tonight's stories with a towel that says alleged swiss cheese pervert still in police custody <laughs> the alleged swiss cheese pervert remained in police custody last night according to court records after being arraigned early yesterday chris pagano 41 wouldn't he be everyone who knows chris chris Pagano. Crispin, Crispin. Crispin. Chris yep. Pagano now. If you go on Facebook and look the guy up, he's now known as the Swiss cheese pervert, which is everything you want in life, isn't it? It's what your mother <laughs> wants for you. Chris Pagano, 41, was holed up at Curran... Hold up? Yeah, I know. It's fabulous, isn't it? <laughs> Curran Fromhold Correctional Facility in Holmesburg. His bail was set at $30,000. Pagano is charged with stalking, indecent exposure and related offences. He stalked some cheese? Well, he stalked several ladies and then did things with cheese is where oh, we're going okay. with this. The charges stem from three incidents, one in January on Frankfurt Avenue near Bly, one on January the 5th in Frankfurt Avenue near And one time at band camp. And one time at band camp. <laughs> <laughs> in which he allegedly approached women with his genitals exposed and asked them to perform sexual acts on him with a piece of Swiss cheese. That's the one with the holes in it, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I believe that they call that Emmental dysfunction. Uh. <laughs> sorry, Emmental dysfunction. I'm going to give my points there. <laughs> Ten, I'm sorry. Richard Hark, Pagano's lawyer, declined to comment. When your lawyer declines to comment, you've got problems, haven't you? Pagano faces a preliminary hearing on February 18th. The Norris Town resident's arrest came Thursday as a result of a nearly week-long investigation by the Philadelphia Police Department Special Victims Unit. Surely Philadelphia would have been more softer, wouldn't it, than Swiss cheese? Several women from northeast Philadelphia told police that they had been approached by Pagano, who also allegedly posed and posted about his fetish in detail on Craigslist and on various dating websites. 
Gabby Chest, a bride's boat. That's Gabby not Chest. real. You is. made that This up. is like James Bond. You made it up. It's like Pussy Galore or Layer Me Quick. Gabby Chest, a, a Bridesburg native, told Daily News that Pagano contacted her on OKCupid in 2012, asking her to perform masturbation on him with Swiss cheese. Well, first dates can always be a bit awkward, can't they? <laughs> I bet they can't go back to that restaurant after the cheese board incident. <laughs> you wouldn't want to have the cheese board after them, would you, to be honest? Um, perhaps just stick with the crackers would be my advice. Um, apparently the cheese was unavailable to comment and it never writes, I believe. <laughs> uh, I just have one question. Only the one? That, that's, that brings up many questions, surely. A nice running breeze the, the way to go, surely. Aren't the holes in Swiss cheese pretty small? Oh, yeah. I mean, Just you know. saying. It's. Uh, Was he? Never mind. I don't. It doesn't. It actually, there's no. There's no um, sizes on the report. But uh, you're absolutely right. The, the holes in a Swiss cheese aren't renowned for being large. They're, they're I, more on the smaller side. Poor guy. Well, all good things come to an end. So let us look at tonight's scores. In last place, the K2 meter with the dead battery that's flickering on the basement floor. I told you not to touch that live while I was on air. <laughs> it's Heather. She has a resplendent minus 12 based on her witticisms on tonight's show. Coming in third place is Greg on five points for his clown horn, his cow impressions, which are obviously improving, and the wet flatulence, which uh, I'm sorry to say has ruined his pants. Kim, <laughs> I'm on second place. I've got nine points, but Kim has come in first. She is the 33,000 dollar ir camera and i only wish i had one here to give to you do not fear listener <laughs> remember i am back with a whole new bunch of stories next week at the same time and i would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal strange intriguing bizarre and weird please tell your friends and family about the show i'd be very grateful actually if you could post links on your facebook site to more questions and answers with adrian lee on facebook and feel free to contact me anytime via my Facebook site, but also you can email me at mqta at rocketmail.com. My gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to Lorna Hunter, Heather Morris, Yaton Drainer, Kim and Greg Gore, and all at the International Paranormal Society at intparanormal.net. And all of the show's sponsors, including the Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group, MUFON of Minnesota, Cactus Tattoos of Mankato, and Rhapsody Music. It just remains for me to say thank you for listening. And remember, be interested and interesting. Good night.